Pat's Interference is on the road, and it is back with its favorite road partners from Nesson, Zach Cox, and Dakota Randall here with your boy. And it is uh, an undisclosed location in Tucson where we are coming off of Patriots' second practice in Arizona. Short week. Feels like a long week for us. We're not complaining because it's good to be on the road, especially not in New England in December. Um, I want to lead off not with anything about Patriots Raiders, which we have a huge preview coming for that. But we've been in Arizona now for four or five days. Top road trip moment so far. I'll let Dakota start. It's a tough one. Um, I would probably say <laughs> the uh, like the second day that we were in um, in Phoenix or in Glendale, me and Zach went on a hike through the desert. I, I like, I don't know, big big desert guy. I grew up with uh, my family had a, a house in Yuma, Arizona, so I used to come out here a lot. So I like rolling around in the desert. It reminds me of Will Ferrell when he took over the office for those three episodes, and I love the I love the American Southwest. <laughs> Big time vibe. Oh, the the hike was great. The uh, went to a, a University of Arizona basketball game the other night. That was oh, that fun. Was a good one too, yeah. uh, but I think my favorite memory from this whole trip so far was Dakota came out here with what like one sweatshirt, like a light sweatshirt, a Walt Disney World sweatshirt, a Walt Disney World sweatshirt, and it's it's cold. It's a lot colder than I thought it would be in Arizona at this point. Like it's getting down into the thirties. So. Uh, my man needed a uh, needed an updated jacket last night, and he found what has to be the the greatest five dollar jacket in, in the history of five dollar jackets. It would be a great sixty dollar jacket. It would. It was. It was. Yeah, you went to one of those like fancy Salvation Army type stores. Somehow found the greatest deal of all time. If you haven't seen it, go on my my Twitter, Dakota's Twitter. You can find it. It is a uh, it's a sight to behold. There's a there's a sunrise, an Arizona sunrise in the front. Is it also on the back, or do you call it a sunset? There's a sunset on the back with a cactus, a black cactus, a large cactus, a and, black and and so Dakota has been the uh, the most popular person on the beat all week. Basically, every single person wanted to ask him about this sweatshirt or the yeah. jacket, rather. Yeah, it's uh, my wife is being heavily critical of it. She does not think it was a wise purchase and doesn't think it looks cool, but I disagree. I'm I'm glad to add it to the wardrobe, and I'm especially looking forward to taking it snowboarding. Excellent. I hope you wear it Sunday to the game. Patriots, obviously, I feel like we said this for three weeks running. Biggest game of the season coming up against Vegas. We talked to guys this week. Oh, let me do my moment because this was last night as we're out, you know, having a beverage or two with a few of the other writers here. And I make some stupid joke as we're talking about, I think some, one of your, one of your brother's relationships uh-huh. they had met and it was over rock skipping, as I had said. And someone <laughs> passing by in the bar goes, you talking rock skipping? <laughs> I missed that. As he's like in a professional league <laughs> and was like, oh man, and I never meet anyone who rock skips. Like I've done 46 skips before. I, I totally forgot about this. And he, we're like, where do you get your rocks? Thinking he's just being a jerk because we're from the Northeast. And why would anyone say that except to be a jerk in a random bar for strangers he didn't know? He says, Rochester, New York. They get him flat as can be, and he's from Queens, and he never gets to hang out with anyone else to skip rocks. Well, we have to admit, we're the jerk, not you, for this guy who still might have been yanking our chains, but full-on stopped and hung out with us for three minutes because I insisted that your brother met someone rock skipping. He said it was like, I think his high school teacher was really good at it. He's like, yeah, man, my high school teacher, his record was 46. I worked for years to beat that record. (laughs) Senior year, finally did it. Finally got 47. It was a proud moment for me. I was like, wait, 46? Rock skips? Yeah. I don't know. I he was very proud of it. If he if it was a con, then it was a very good con. But he seemed uh, he was very convincing about his uh 
rock skipping exploits. Yeah, he like walked around the bar, seemed like a regular, like very comfortable in that setting, and also just stopping by and talking about his, as you said, rock skipping exploits. I don't know if there are next gen stats on that. I don't know what my record is, but it's surely like no more over twenty. So forty six. Excellent. So more to come uh, as the Patriots will go to Vegas on Saturday if they have one more practice. We record Thursday night. They'll practice Friday at the University of Arizona. Uh, very nice facilities, all courtesy of Jed Fish, former quarterbacks coach, now the head coach here for two years. But, of course, they're here for football and on a short week against the Raiders, who are not in a short week, coming off a long week. Um, this is a big one. Let's run down the Raiders really quickly. They are 5-8, and eight, 25th by DVOA, 16th in offense, 31st on defense, and 11th in special teams. Their last four games, that aforementioned Thursday night game was a 17-16 loss. At the Rams, before that, three straight wins, 27-20 versus the Chargers at home, 40-34 to win at Seattle in overtime, and then another overtime win at Denver, 22-16. to So this was a team that was on the way back, pushing its way into the playoff picture, and then gave yet another game away because they've had seven one-score games, which I don't think tells the entire picture. But when you look at some of, like, the point differential, it points to a, you know, 500 team. Like, they should be better than 5-8. and eight. They're not. I don't think it's totally a fluke because when you're 31st in defense, okay, and average on offense, you're just not going to get very far. Um, now, speaking of not getting very far, Jacoby Myers and Ramondre Stevenson have missed essentially two practices. Myers listed as limited somehow on Wednesday with a concussion, then today, Thursday, downgraded to out, as we know that he was in street clothes at practice to start, and their initial report said he was limited. But the Patriots won't have their two leading receivers, top rusher, who the hell do you feature with these two guys out, in addition to Devontae Parker, who also has a concussion? Yeah, you're most likely not going to have your top three receiving options, you could probably say, for this game. Between Jacoby Myers, Ramondre Stevenson, Devontae Parker, none of them have practiced in any real capacity this week. Uh, we haven't even seen Stevenson or Parker uh, at any of these practices. So would be a surprise to me at this point if any of those guys is healthy enough to play on Sunday. And then we still don't even know about Damian Harris, who's working his way back from uh, from a thigh injury. So you could see a very, very shorthanded Patriots offense in this game. To me, I think it makes sense to lean more on the tight ends, especially Hunter Henry. Uh, it seems like good things have happened every time uh, he's been featured in games this season. You saw it in that game against Minnesota. You saw it on, on a couple of key plays uh, against Arizona the other night. Uh, Mac Jones seems to really want to get the tight ends more involved. It seems like every time we ask him about it, he's like, yeah, those guys are two of our best players. Like we should really be throwing them the ball more often than we are. Uh, so it, that seems to be a, a logical kind of successor to these guys. Um, I also like what I saw from Kendrick Bourne uh, in the, in the Cardinals game. He really had, a strong connection with, with Mac Jones there. So maybe you see larger roles for, for both of those two guys. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely going to be a, a, a difficult situation for this team and not what you want to be in with how, like, even when this offense is at full strength, it has not been operating particularly well. So yeah, not a great situation. I do like that Mac quote though, because it's kind of the, we're all looking for the guy who did this to me. <laughs> like, I don't know, Mac, you have the ball every play. Maybe you can throw it to him. Um, I think that Hunter Henry is a logical option. You look at some of their numbers for the Raiders defense, you know, again, when you're 31st overall, 32nd against the pass, there are a lot of different avenues you could have. They play a lot of man coverage, and the Patriots have thrown up a lot of jump balls um, or, you know, sometimes out routes to Hunter Henry against man coverage. They're down in the red zone. They're also 32nd against running backs, which is a real killer here with Reminder Stevenson, who obviously leads them uh, or a second now in, in receiving. Do you have any other options, Dakota? Like you could look at Bourne, 
Taekwon Thornton, I think people would say, oh, you feature him. I, there's just not a lot of trust there, I think, from Mac to any of his other options where he goes consistently. It's been Myers and Stevenson in crunch time. Well, Mac today said that there's no real drop-off uh, when those guys are out. And what a nice teammate. Call a practice squad guy, so I think you called Trey Nixon and targeted him 15 <laughs> times, and then he ride it to victory. Uh, no, I mean, I, th- I think I think the Raiders' uh, run defense is, is very suspect. Um, I know obviously Crosby is a great player on the edge, but I think their interior defensive line uh, is pretty weak. So if Damian Harris is healthy, which is a huge if, we don't know that, I, I think you you give him the rock and you try and run the ball because I think still they're at their best and they're able to do that. This would be a nice game to have a fullback like Jakob Johnson on the field for them, but that's not an option. Uh, so yeah, if, if Damian Harris is healthy, um, you know, maybe they feel good about Pierre Strong. I don't know, but I still think the running game has to be a key part to it. But in terms of the passing game, I agree with you both. I think it's Hunter Henry. Uh, it's like we've been calling for it all year, and every time they go to him, they have good success um, with a couple long plays recently. And I think Kendrick Bourne, I mean, I think he still obviously hasn't been nearly as productive as we saw last year, but uh, he had a much better game uh, against the Cardinals. And, you know, he's got the speed, I think, to make a difference. And the Raiders' pass defense is just so bad. It's terrible. It's, it's terrible that I think, you know, maybe Tyquan Thorne, but I still – I just don't trust it enough at this point, and Nelson Aguilar can't hold on to the ball. Uh, so I think it's it's Kendrick Bourne or, or Hunter Henry the passing game. Thornton reaching any sort of kind of semi-reliable level would really help this offense so much. But he's just he's not there yet. You you just you haven't seen really even the game that he scored two touchdowns in the, that Cleveland game. Those are both pretty pretty short plays. Like it was a pretty small sample size there. It, it seems like kind of a not a completely lost rookie season, but he really just isn't at the level that the Patriots need him to be. Yeah, he's just completely faded down the stretch. And I think you see some of the issues that you would expect from a guy who's six foot two, 180 pounds, dealing yeah. with physicality, working at the top of his routes, and he's more than a straight line speed guy, but the numbers just haven't backed up. You mentioned uh Max Crosby Dakota, who I think is probably the most important player like we could talk about on either side uh of this matchup where the Patriots have the ball because he should see a lot of Connor McDermott. And when Connor McDermott is not seeing Max Crosby, he will be seeing Chandler Jones, who, you know, look, his numbers have fallen off. Chandler Jones down to four and a half sacks. Max Crosby has 11 and a half, but he's still Chandler Jones. You're dealing with two elite edge pass rushers. I think, you know, look, you you have to help McDermott because he's just been a vending machine for pressure since the Patriots got him. And you need Trent Brown to win one-on-one. Like, he's one of your best players. He told us this week he's fully healthy after losing almost 12 pounds from the flu, and he should be back. You just need to rely on him because you can only devote so much resources to stopping Crosby and Jones. If the Patriots lose this matchup, I don't think there's any way they win the game. If they win this matchup, Mac obviously has time, and I think they should exploit the pass defense. Is that overly simplistic that, like, if you can block these guys – you should score points. No, I think it's it's been clear all season that when the Patriots protect Mac Jones, the offense can at least be functional, if not better. And when they don't protect Mac Jones, it's a complete disaster. So yeah, if, if they let Max Crosby get pressure all day, and if Chandler Jones has sort of a vintage Chandler Jones game, Chandler Jones game, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a recipe for disaster. I think with Trent Brown, you know, I think there's been a lot of criticism of him over the last few weeks. You've heard some people questioning his effort, uh, and just he just hasn't been very good, but. I think it's, at least to me, it, it seems clear that, he, that that illness was for real. I mean, he obviously talked yeah, about yeah. it yesterday, and I think that really was impacting him. Like, it's once you are off an injury report with an illness and they no longer list you with it, that doesn't mean that you're no, you just stop feeling the effects from it. I think that's been a big deal. So if you're the Patriots, you have to hope that he is kind of back to full strength in this game and can have a good game against Chandler Jones. I think he should beat Chandler Jones one-on-one if they're both healthy. Uh, but I agree with you. I think that really is the key to this game. And <laughs> Connor McDermott against Max Crosby. 
It's scary. I wonder if maybe they go back to Yanni Kuchis, but I, I kind of doubt it. Yeah, they're point. probably not going to have Isaiah Wynn uh, in this game. Not that he was playing particularly well when he was active. But I haven't even seen him. Like, coming off the bus, we've seen I've, Jake Bailey in street clothes, Jacoby Myers in street clothes when they're on campus. I've not seen Isaiah Wynn. Hasn't played since uh, week 11, I believe. Um, again, he wasn't playing particularly well when he was playing, but the fact that you're having essentially your like, fourth-string tackle in McDermott um, going up against one of the best pass rushers in the league – not a great matchup for the Patriots. Uh, I think a, a sneaky big part of Ramondre Stevenson likely not being in this game is what you lose from a, a pass protection blitz pickup standpoint as a running back because he's been pretty good in that area this yep. season. And if you have somebody like Kevin Harris or Pierre Strong trying to do that, that's one of the most difficult things for rookie running backs to pick up. It's been the case forever in New England. It's the reason why a lot of rookie running backs don't see a lot of playing time. Uh, it's just because it's a very difficult adjustment for a lot of that. So uh, if you're playing with a, a shaky fourth string right tackle and a running back that probably doesn't know exactly where to go on some of those situations, it might not be as equipped to help that guy out. Uh, I think you saw some moments like that in the Arizona game where maybe Kevin Harris kind of released a little bit too early rather than picking up a, uh, uh, a rusher who was coming off the edge. Uh, I think that's where you can run into some issues too for the Patriots. The one thing that I think there, there's a needle to thread here in terms of how do you slow down Crosby and Jones and feature your best players, which if Damian Harris is healthy, is your best skill position player, is a lot of play action. Like you can slow down a good defensive line by going up tempo, establishing your run game, and then throwing, you know, not 12 screens, but a few screens here and a little bit more play action. The play action is so much more effective, though, when you're under center. And this is something Dan Orlovsky has brought up. And I think Matt Patricia got spooked out of play action against Arizona because the first two plays were a hurried throwaway. And then the interception where Max arm gets hit. I think you just when you run play action, you need a real run action in terms of pulling a guard and probably keep seven guys in protection. So even if you know, there's nothing downfield. You have time to make the decision to throw it away. I just don't know how willing they are to do that, being bottom five in the league in play action rate. But ultimately, if you need time to separate from a defense and the back end is full of holes, that's the way to do it, in my opinion. It's still baffling how infrequently they've used play action this season because it seems, at least from an outsider's perspective, like an obvious thing that would help them because it tends to help them whenever they do. Use it helps it. everyone. Yeah. It's, it's, it just makes a quarterback's life a lot easier. It tends to make the, the offensive line's life easier as well. And just Patricia's real reluctance to, to use it at any, any kind of regular clip. It just doesn't really make a ton of sense to me. Uh, and yeah, again, I feel like this is the fifth or sixth game where we've gone into saying, you know, they could really benefit from using a lot of play action in this game. We'll see if, that becomes the case, but yeah, we just really haven't seen that from them this season. And some of their rebuttal has been, well, these defenses that are high blitz, you know, like yeah. the Ravens in week three or Miami week one, like if they're blitzing, there's no conflict to put them in where they're kind of like, if you're a linebacker, guy's coming, coming right, he's coming regardless. So you look at Vegas, they're about middle of the pack in terms of blitzing. And I, if I'm them, I think you probably bring that number down against Patriots, just going what we just talked about. Max Crosby is going to win his fair share of matchups. They caved in the Patriots offensive line when they saw them in August. Granted, that's a long time ago. Um, and sticking with this, like if you if you're the Raiders with the league worst pass defense, but two good pass rushers, how are you scheming for this Patriots offense? Like what there, there, if there's no strength to take away, let's say, what are you focusing on to make life maximum difficult here? I mean, I think at the end of the day, when we talked about it earlier, if you pressure Mac Jones, it, that that kind of the Patriots really can never sort of overcome that. I think just bring a bunch of pressure on Mac Jones one way or the other. I agree with you. Um 
that they may not even need to be able to blitz that much that just Max Crosby alone can get it done. But I also think if I'm the Raiders, you know, I would play off and just give the Patriots the underneath stuff because to me, the Patriots offense hasn't shown an ability really to consistently string together long scoring drives. So I would just give them the underneath stuff and, and, and dare them to throw deep. Um, and yeah, just get pressure on Mac Jones. I mean, that's all you really have to do to beat the Patriots in my opinion. Interesting too, that for how good Crosby is, uh, and he's very good. He's one of the best pass rushers in the league. The Raiders are still 27th in the NFL in sack rate. So it's not like they're just constantly all over opposing quarterbacks. They don't generate that many sacks and they don't force that many turnovers at all. And those, those are the two things that have really killed the Patriots this season uh, is when Mac Jones takes a sack and it's second and 18, or when there's some sort of mishap somewhere and they turn the ball over. And and that's really what's been the, the biggest problems for this Patriots offense, this Raiders team for, the talented players they do have just haven't really been able to do either of those particularly well this season. Well, yeah, just wait for the Patriots to botch a handoff. In the running. <laughs> They'll do it. We'll do it at some point. It, it's an interesting point, though, because I think, like, in Arizona, clearly the conservatism hurt the Patriots and held them back. And I've written about this, that they're not playing offense like it's a feature of their football team. It's a bug that they're trying to, like, contain, ultimately, and just put their defense in better position. That's the feature. That's the thing that we want to support. But the Raiders, to the point that Dakota made, like, this could be to draw a World Cup analysis. Like, the Netherlands let the U.S. have possession the whole game, knowing we were going to do nothing with it. And right. you felt good watching as a fan, or at least I did, who was, you know, largely soccer ignorant, going, this is great, they're getting chances, even though none of them were real high quality. Because ultimately, it might be a botched standoff, or there's going to be a blown protection, or a route that's not run. So if you force the Patriots to sustain long drives, they'll self-destruct. And I think you don't want to play, like, back and too high against them in a light box, but there's a way to kind of play some off coverage and eventually just protect yourself, understanding that eventually, like if the Patriots don't push the ball down the field, where I think they need to be more aggressive against the defense, it's, as we've said now five times, last in the league and pass defense, and they play a ton of man-to-man coverage, like work some of those shots or some downfield, you know, crossing routes or overs or things like that that can really help you. And I'm I wonder how the Raiders are going to test that conservatism. Like we're, they're not going to threaten us. So we'll just let them kind of spin out and spiral and eventually go in and punt. Yeah, the best that we've seen the Patriots offense look probably all season was those first two and a half, three quarters against Minnesota a couple weeks ago. And a lot of the success in that game was having Mac Jones actually push the ball down the field. That game wasn't all screens and and short passes and quick game stuff like the, the Arizona game. And like a lot of the games we've seen, he had what, three, four, five, like 20-plus yard completions? I guess two good defensive ends, Daniil Hunter and uh, who am I forgetting now? Minnesota's already so far out of yeah, line. Yeah. But we've just seen the Patriots Spirits offense. Back. Thank you. Yes, yeah. there you go. <laughs> we've seen the Patriots offense have success on those kind of uh, attacking downfield type plays. Uh, I think it's – I mean, we can get into this a little bit more later, but I think it's all about just finding that balance that they just haven't been able to find this season. Because if you think back to the beginning of the year, the main criticism of this Patriots offense was why the hell are they just trying to throw these 50, 50 deep balls yeah. all game? Like that's not Mac Jones strength. That's not like something that this team is well equipped to do. And they don't have receivers that generate that much separation. Just what are they doing there? And then it's been a complete and total 180 really ever since Mac came back from the ankle injury, it's been tons of screens, tons of short passes, very few of those downfield shots. It it seems like you need to just find the equilibrium between those two. 
know how to feature both of those in your game plan uh, because the Patriots can have success with both of those things, but leaning so far heavily in one direction just hasn't worked out for him. Yeah, I think just one more simple take on the Raiders defense, just play bend and don't break because the over, like it's more likely than not the Patriots are going to stall out in the red zone if they even make it there. So just let them get there and then they'll stall out and just get field goals. Yeah, and I think when you talk about the Minnesota game too, like they played a lot of that too high structure, which left the middle of the field open where Mac is most comfortable thrived and then found hunter henry down the seams and a couple passes that and they got like there too. Yeah. yeah yep yep on that first touchdown were the the throws to hunter henry in arizona were off of four verts which is like a long developing play or i would say a downfield shot that is not a long developing play and you understand where you're going especially against single high coverage because one of those seams is going to be open mm -hmm. two outside guys are running you know goes along the sidelines and then two guys going up the seam there's an area and that you don't need to hang in the pocket for three seconds for that to work or even off of play action where i think you can have you know if we, you look at a zone blitz as like a safe pressure right offensively your safe pressure is plays like that and off of play action. And I just wonder how the Raiders are going to test, like to dare them to be more aggressive and whether or not that's going to happen. Because I think, again, it's, it's a difficult job in defensive Matt Patricia, which not many people are doing nowadays, self-included. But that's it's why this job is so hard because you're limited by your personnel, but ultimately you go too far in one direction. As we saw earlier in the year, you have too many turnovers. And then when you call 12 screens, you're averaging fewer yards per screen than you are on the rest of your plays. Yeah, it was like 4.8 yards yeah. per play, I think, on those screen passes. They had one one that popped, like the one to Pierre Strong was a decent play. They had one that moved the chains on uh, third and two, I think. And then there's one that looked like it could have been a big game. I think David Andrews missed a block on yeah, the Stevenson one. one. But other than that, most of them went nowhere. And again, it's just something you can do and something that can be beneficial, but not when you do it that much it's just it, it's it's too much yeah all right let's go to the more exciting side of the ball and the patriot or when the raiders had possession um quick update on how some of their leaders are doing statistically david carr completing 62 percent of his passes 3117 yards Derek carr. Derek carr thank you god it's late uh 20 touchdowns. i can't get over mountain time this is the <laughs> stupidest smallest thing uh, it's been like four days now and i just I can't I, get I've my been, sleep right. I've been discombobulated since we got here. Yeah, it's the worst bad. thing for me is, is is my phone and my watch are in Mountain Time, and my work laptop is on Eastern Time. And I I keep I, I meet somewhere in the middle, and I'm just We're screwed up. Brains and a pretzel. Yeah. We're so soft. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Simple minds. Only touchdowns for Derek Carr. Ten interceptions. Josh Jacobs leading the league in rushing, one thousand four hundred and two yards, eleven touchdowns, um, approximately one point eight million tackles broken. Devontae Adams, 82 catches, 1,247 yards, 12 touchdowns. Now, before we get to the other players who might come back for Vegas, which would make this potentially uh, just a no-win situation for the Patriots, if you got to pick one, Devontae Adams or Josh Jacobs to take care of on Sunday, who is it? I, I mean, I'm maybe giving too much credit to the Patriots or, or living in the past with their history of taking out an opposing team's best receiver. I mean, I think there was a little bit of progress with that the other night against DeAndre Hopkins. It certainly wasn't as bad as it was with Justin Jefferson and Stefan Diggs. So I'm just sort of assuming they'll find a way to limit Devontae Adams in some respect. Um, so for me, I think it's all about Josh Jacobs. I think, you know, there have been times this season where the Patriots' run defense has, has performed better than you expected, like that Nick Chubb game uh, against Cleveland and some other times. But really, it seems like when other teams really bear down and want to run on the Patriots, they can get it done. James Conner averaged like 5.7 yards per carry the other night. Uh, and so I, I think, you know, it's – for me, I wouldn't be surprised at all if we come out of this game and everyone thinks that Josh Jacobs was the best player on the field and that and that he really was the difference in that game. Because he, 
you know, we could argue about Derrick Henry or you know some of the other backs in the NFL, but I think you can make a case he's the best all around back right now. Yeah, he's really been having a resurgence this season. I remember coming yeah. into the year, I was like, wow, they're well, they're probably gonna cut or trade Josh Jacobs yeah, at some point. Pick up his option. Yeah, he was, and even early in the season, he, he wasn't doing all that much. But yeah, he's he's really come on, and and I agree. I think he's the more important one to eliminate as as much as you can, just because if. Josh Jacobs gets gets going, and if that Raiders run game gets going, it's gonna make it a lot more difficult to defend Adams and to defend potentially Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro if they're back on the field and wear down the defense. Yeah, too. and wear you down, and and I I think we've seen kind of highs and lows from this Patriots run defense this season, as you're mentioning, Dakota, um, and and I think I think they can survive a eight catch 115 yard one touchdown performance by Devontae Adams if that is also combined with uh, the Raiders not being able to run the ball at all I'm not sure if they can do vice versa yeah my cop-out answer would be will not be but is you need to take care of Jacobs on early downs and then Devontae Adams on third and the trouble is you're not going to get to third and long where you can do that and have all these designer pressures and different coverages and double teams and switching man-to-man schemes if you if that's third and two, you know, you can't. You have to respect the run. I just think, though, that as good as Jacobs has been, their offensive line can be exploited. And both of their guards have been on the injury report. Uh, rookie Dylan Parm was upgraded to full participation today. Um, their right guard has been out for two straight practices. And so there might be some push there for Devon Gottschow, who told me after the game in Arizona, like, look, if we don't get an early lead. It's going to be a long day. Mm-hmm. So I-, I wonder if it kind of shifts as the game goes on. But then if you're Josh McDaniels, obviously, you know, you want to throw on early downs because that's the most advantageous time. You're going to get simple coverages. They're usually going to be zone. The Patriots play zone on 86% of their defensive snaps against the Cardinals. I would expect more of the same because you just don't have the horses to cover John Jones uh, with John Jones and Jalen Mills against Devontae Adams like they didn't against DeAndre Hopkins. It's just like you said earlier, I, I think you can survive seven catchers for 79 yards, which Hopkins had because a lot of them were empty calories, like not converting a ton of third downs, the one red zone target, I remember, like he snapped somehow in the back of the end zone, but was out, you know, so at that point, it doesn't hurt you. I just, I think ultimately you, you'd rather take care of Adams because I just don't think you have as many answers for him as you would Jacobs, like keep Juwan Bentley on the field, which Alani to which no one wants to hear, but like, that's why you have 250 pound linebackers is to then play a nickel and plug inside gaps along with Devon Gotcha and Lawrence Guy, and if they can't do it, well, you're kind of screwed anyway because those are your best run defenders. But you're you're not screwed if you devote a little extra attention to Adams with an occasional double or kind of shading to his side. Yeah, it kind of goes against the argument that I just made. But even two weeks ago in the in the Minnesota game, where this point goes against the argument, they basically shut down Dalvin Cook in that game. Minnesota couldn't yeah. run the ball at all, and they still were able to move the ball very well and very efficiently because Justin Jefferson just absolutely tore them apart, and Adam Thielen made some some clutch catches in that game too. So. Yeah, sometimes these receivers are just – this is just a tough stretch for them. Like these – they're really facing five or six – might even be seven of like the elite best receivers in the NFL. Basically, Cooper Cup is the only like top-end elite, like all-pro level receiver that they're not facing during this stretch. Yeah, and I, I also think <laughs> it's, it's a big leap for any of us to suggest that maybe – they'll find a way to slow down Devontae Adams just because the last time we saw the Patriots play Devontae Adams during during joint practices was more, 
Well, and granted, it's it's their joint practices. It's not the same as a game. Well, let's describe it though, because was, no one else was there, and yeah, I'll just it was it, unbelievable. He was a freaking the, the best practice I've ever seen by a receiver at any level in terms of dominating the competition. Right, and I think the scary thing for the Patriots is, you know, I think Devontae Adams and Derek Carr got out to a slower start this season, and then since like the midway point, he's really taken off here over these last few weeks, and it looks like kind of like how we thought it would look all season. So. Yeah, the Patriots who looked terrible against Devontae Adams during the summer and Devontae Adams seemingly catching fire uh, at the end of the season. It, it could be a bad combination. I know the Patriots, the, the players themselves, came away from that week two being like, holy, can I swear on the Yeah, front? go for it. Like, holy shit, this guy is <laughs> incredible. Like, this was, like, we've heard from some of the players, especially, like, right after those practices, but I think it was Jalen Mills, who's just like, I don't even know what to do with this guy. This he was, guy is just he was like happy that he got one. Yeah. You know, he yeah. was like, oh, I got most of the guys. He got me most of the time. But and these yeah. are like very proud, you know, alpha males yeah. playing this game that obviously like is a, is a test mentally and physically. But when it's just one on one, there's a clear cut winner and loser in these one on ones or in the team drills. It was virtually always Devontae Adams. They're just like, yeah, he's that good. And maybe that'll help the the Patriots players, the Patriots defensive backs in this game, having spent those two days going up against Adams. Yes, they were on the losing end of the vast majority of those reps, but especially for the younger guys who might not have faced him before, just kind of getting some of those those nuances and, and intricacies of his game. Obviously, there's the same benefit for, for Adams going back the other way uh, against the Patriots defense, but... I don't know. You, you, that that might just give them a little bit of a preview of what they're going to expect to see. It's also you're facing Derek Carr, that's throwing the ball to Devontae Adams, not Aaron Rodgers. So there's at least some chance that like De- he doesn't play that well. Devontae yeah. Adams should have had like seven more catches in those practices too. There were a couple <laughs> plays where where Derek Carr was just throwing the ball out of the end zone. Yeah, um, I think the other answer you could offer too is you know if you watch the Sunday night game where the Chargers kind of suffocate the Dolphins there and they're playing a lot more physical coverage and they're knocking out the timing of the game, you'd be like, okay, that's great. But Adams is probably the best receiver in the league, perhaps overall, but definitely at the line with his release package. Like there's, he's so patient. He's talked about this before where he's like, I'm going to look at your technique, go through a couple options in my head. And that's, but second pitch, pick the right one and get by. And it doesn't work all the time. Nobody's perfect, but his patience at the line is something that's just unparalleled little hesitation moves. And there's just no way you can kind of get two hands in him consistently. So I think there will be some physicality. I'd expect a lot more zone again. I would go with Adams by, I get the case for Jacobs. Uh, let's stick with Derek Carr here for a second before we move on to Hunter Renfro and uh, Darren Waller, who if I think if they both come back and they're close 100%, Patriots just might have to score 24 to 27 points in this game. Hey, guys, a quick break for a holiday gift from me to you. It's a reminder that Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. NFL, college football, bowl season, eSports, and the end of the World Cup, you'll find the latest odds on all of those, plus team matchup info, player news, game trends, all at betonline.ag, where BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and live scores for any sport or game. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events, so head online to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code CLNS50, that's CLNS50, NS50 to receive your reward at Bet Online, where the game starts. Car pressure and car is really the big thing here, right? Because as much as the Patriots have an issue with their own offense tackles, blocking Matt Judon and Josh Uche is no picking. And they've got a good left tackle in Colt Miller. On the right side, it's less so Jermaine Illuminor, who's also been on the injury report. Their guards are susceptible in pass protection. I think that, in addition to what we talked about on offense, is kind of the game here. Like, can you block 
their edge rushers, provided, of course, the Patriots, again, take care of business often enough and early downs. Yeah, absolutely. And I just think at the end of the day, Derek Carr is a, one of these quarterbacks who – He's gonna he's gonna give you an opportunity at least one time a game. He's gonna make one a make mistake, and the question is, do you take advantage of it? Uh, and he's also one of these guys who like he'll check it down all yeah. the time. He loves checking it down. If you get pressure on him, he's not one of these guys that's gonna escape and make some big play downfield. Maybe he'll chuck it up to Adams, but more often than not, he's gonna check it down. Uh, and maybe that plays into the hands of the Patriots. Yeah, I think with the the Judon Uche situation, we're seeing a very similar kind of progression to what we saw last season with Matthew Judon really, really hot start to the season. Uh, and then teams are starting to kind of zero in on him a little bit more. He's even said it himself. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm getting more attention as, as I would expect to for somebody who's putting up the kind of numbers that I have. The difference for the Patriots is that last year when that happened, they didn't have anybody who could pick up the slack behind him. It was basically Matt Judon and to a lesser extent, Christian Barmore yeah. and nobody else could get after the passer. Now, Judon is getting that extra attention and he has Uche on the other side of him. Who's going up against a lot of the teams were the worst of, of their opponents to tackles. He's going up against a lot of backups, a lot of kind of injured guys, and he's just destroying them. He has 10 sacks in his last six games. And without that, I don't even know where this Patriots team would be. If, if Matthew Judon was who, who is and Judon has, has been more productive than he was late last season. He had a sack and a half. Uh, the other day, he had a, a, a drawn penalty in, in the Buffalo game. So he's still been impactful. But if there wasn't that secondary guy who was putting up the kind of numbers that Uche is, uh, I think this defense would be cooked and this whole team would be cooked because right now they're really winning with defense. So I think Uche's emergence has been massive for this team. Yeah, I, I think one other important part about Uche is at the end of the day, too, he's still largely just a sub rusher. Yeah. And, and, you know, he he had three sacks in that game against the Cardinals, but it was all in the second half once the Patriots got a lead. And, it you know, it could play into exactly what they wanted to do. So to go back to what you said about Devon Godchow, and he said we need to get an early lead, Patriots need to get ahead in this game so that they can get Uche on the field, they can get their pass rush going and start getting after the Raiders. Um, because I agree with you, like, that's, you know, that's a huge thing for them. And I also think it's interesting, does Christian Barmore come back in this game? Because it's been, it's too bad for the Patriots that, you know, that thing that they couldn't find last year, supplemental pass rush, they've been able to get it this season. And you just wonder what if you also got the sophomore season from Christian Barmore that many thought he could deliver. Maybe he does. Maybe he is back to 100 percent now. I'd be surprised if he played a lot in this game, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, if they can get him, Judon, Uche, Dietrich Wise kind of all going at the same time. The other part about Barmore is I think if you're the Raiders, you know, in addition to perhaps getting Hunter Renfro back and Darren Waller, who I just mentioned, is just your overall rest. You're coming off of a Thursday night game. The Patriots have six days to prepare. They're living in a hotel. They're practicing in a college campus. Then they're going to fly up and see you. And like, look, th these are very first of the first world problems. But ultimately, the way you punish them for that lack of rest and that, that disparity between the Raiders and the Patriots is you run the ball. You mm -hmm. physically try to pound them. And you get 21 personnel, which the Raiders are running more than all but three other teams in the league, and you go straight at them. And if Barmore's back, you can play more three, four base to respond to that, where the Patriots lineup without him has been Carl Davis at the nose, Godcho and Guy at the five techniques and Carl Davis just getting pushed around. Like he, he's, he's good in his current role as kind of your last defensive tackle on the roster. He's 320 pounds, but it's just not going to be good enough. I think if those are the three, if it's yeah, far more a healthy scratch a couple games ago. Yeah. Like if it's far more, you get Gotchow over to the nose and then it's Barmore and guide the five techniques. And I think that's where you can also get a little rush if it's a play action throw, but you're going to be able to survive a little bit better because I do think at some point in this game, the Raiders are just going to try to pound out the Patriots. And it'll be interesting whether they do feed Jacobs or Adams, 
come crunch time, as we alluded to, but it's going to be, you know, a game where they play a lot more base than I think we've seen in recent weeks. Maybe not as much, or maybe not more than they do dime, which has really been their secondary personnel grouping. But that's that's going to be an interesting spot for Barmore in addition just to the, the pass rush. Um, I, look, if Renfro and Waller are 100%, I think at that point you need Kyle Duggar to, to man up. And people go, oh, two years ago, Waller didn't do anything against the Patriots. They won at home in the COVID season. He was not 100% that day. Kyle Duggar was a rookie, obviously much better now. Yeah, Hawkinson didn't do anything in the first game. When the Lions played the Patriots and then yeah. they did well in the Vikings game. So that stuff doesn't. Yeah, and I think if they're back, the trouble is you just you can't play man coverage except for in instances like third and four where you just absolutely have to. Because the, the Raiders will play matchup ball. They'll go, we'll take Renfro versus Miles Bryant. If you're doubling Adams, if you're not, we'll go to Devontae. And you're just, you're just losing. So your menu of options shrinks so much. Is there – what is the world in which those guys come back and the Patriots can can win this matchup or hold them under fire? You just you hope that they come back and they're still sort of working their way back to 100%. And because having missed uh, a month plus both of them, you hope yeah. that this is kind of a reintegration game and not a clicking on all cylinders game between uh, because if if they're all there and healthy between Adams, Renfro, and Waller you're not going to find a better outside receiver, slot receiver, tight end combination in the entire NFL. And that's why they're really the main reason everybody thought that this, this Raiders team was going to be so explosive and so prolific, especially in the passing game this season, because they just have so much talent. Um, and it's going to be a, if they are all back and they are all close to hundred percent, I, I don't know if the Patriots have the, the horses to handle all of them. They do have a very good secondary. They have a very deep secondary uh, but as we've mentioned a lot, they've struggled against those elite opponents this season. And when you're facing not only arguably the best receiver in the NFL in Devontae Adams, but two probably like A minus to A supporting uh, kind of like running mates behind them. Uh, I don't know. It, it's hard to envision the Patriots, given some of the issues they've had in the secondary recently, shutting down all three of those guys. And, and I think that could... And, and also on the other end, we haven't seen their offense uh, have the ability to outscore a team in, in a shootout type situation. They still have yet to win a game uh, with Mac Jones, a quarterback where the other team scores 25 points. If so, oops, sorry. Yeah, we're gonna, yeah. No, continue. Go no, I was going to say, yeah, for me, I think it's a big if that those guys come back and are, first of all, nobody's hundred percent this time of the year, even if you spend four weeks on IR, like, and I just think Waller's always banked up. He, he when he is 100%, yes, he is one of the more elite tight ends in the game. He's dynamic. I really worry about whether Kyle Duggar can handle him, but he's always banged up. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not, I'd be surprised if he comes out here and just looks like like classic Darren Waller. And uh, Hunter Renfro, you know, even when he's been out there this season, it's been a down year for him. I think he suffered that ankle injury during joint practices with the Patriots. Then he had a concussion early in the year. Then I think this is an oblique that's had him on IR. But even when he's been out there, I mean, his production's been way down. Last year, he averaged uh, 6.1 receptions per game and 61 yards per game. This season, in only six games, it's three and a half receptions per game and 30 yards per game. And granted, that part of that is because Devontae Adams now is on the team. But still, I just think it, it seems like it's been one of those years for Hunter Renfro, almost like a lost year where when he's been out there, he's been dealing with something and he hasn't been that good and he has been missed a lot of games. So, you know, I, I'd be surprised, honestly, if he came back and just tore up the Patriots. Yeah, I, I think it, I think it's a fair point. I probably overstated that to the beginning. It's just that, you know, you, you when you have that many weapons available, you, you can't cover them all. So then it comes back to what we kind of talked about as far as Derek Carr goes. You need to affect him. Like, you need to cut off, as the saying goes, very grossly. 
the head of the snake, you know, you just cut it off there and don't let it, you know, the offense have time to distribute and get the ball out because again, he's only completing 62% of his passes, but a lot of those are deep shots, you know, to Adams and, and scenarios in which you just don't want to be one-on-one, but that's how they'll have to be if these other guys are available. And, and I still do trust Belichick and Steve Belichick and, and Gerard Mayo's ability to kind of confuse and fluster Derek Carr and some of those, uh, if they set up in, in some of those third down situations where you can dial up some more uh, exotic pressures and exotic coverages, uh, I think that they certainly have an ability uh, to sort of force Derek Carr into a, a game-changing mistake, uh, even if he does have all that talent to throw to. All right. Under the radar, guys, that so we have not talked about, all of these matchups are, let's just be honest, fairly obvious. Um, but someone who can make an impact, we go back and go, he made a play like Jelani Tavai's fourth down deflection that really changed the win in Arizona. Well, I don't, he's probably not under the radar anymore because we've talked about him a ton lately, but Marcus Jones, from a defensive perspective, uh, we've talked a lot about what he's done on special teams. We've talked a lot about the the offensive role that he's played in the last couple of weeks, and I think he could still make an impact in both of those roles. But he's also been pretty good defensively. The Patriots trusted him to go up against DeAndre Hopkins uh, man-to-man on, on a fair number of situations in that last game. Uh, he wasn't perfect. He, he did, did allow some catches, uh, and he should have allowed a, a fourth down conversion to, I believe it was Marquise Brown, but uh, Brown wasn't able to make the catch. But I like what I've seen from him defensively. He's been playing a larger role, and especially if someone like Renfro is active, that guy that can really uh, kind of be that slot technician, technician, tactician, technic, slot technician. Technician. I can't can't even speak right now. (laughs) Uh, But I think he's someone that that the Patriots could potentially use to to match up against someone like that. Um, And it'll be interesting to see how much he even plays and what his role is going to be, because it sounds like we won't have uh, uh, we won't see Jack Jones out there in this game, most likely. Yeah, yeah I, I was thinking Marcus Jones, but I'll go with I don't know how under the radar it is as a receiver, but I'll uh, Nelson Aguilar. Oh, give me defense. Oh, you want defense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I'll, I'll buy you some time here. Well, oh. I was get, well, my other one on defense was going to be somebody like Adrian Phillips, where I just think okay. it's kind of been. Not a bad season for Adrian Phillips. It's just the last couple of years, he was one of their best overall players. He was certainly one of their best defenders. Um, and that just really hasn't been the case this year. It's just been a little bit quieter for him. Um, so just similar to how someone like Jelani Tavai, who's just, you know, you don't talk about him too much, goes out, goes out and makes a big play. Um, if Adrian Phillips gets matched up with the tight ends in this game, you know, I just, I, I could see him going out and making a big play because I still think he is a, a very good safety for this team when he's going, right? Daniel Ekwale for me, interior pressure. I, he had a sack against Arizona. He had, uh, I think, a run stuff the play before that. Like, he's not going to play a whole lot of snaps, but I mentioned the guards. Like, they're very susceptible in the interior. The Raiders are, and I think he's a guy who, you know, we, we don't talk about a whole lot because Judon's getting three sacks one game, then it do the next. Like, it's just, you know, he easily gets overshadowed. But I think in those 15 snaps, high leverage, big moments, um, he could really come through. All right, let's move on. That's a good one. I, I, I agree, yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Uh, three, two, one preview, three matchups, two keys, one extra point before we get to a quick mailbag and predictions. Uh, let's run through the matchups because we really hit all of these. Uh, Matt Judon versus Jermaine Illuminor for me, mostly because Judon will align over the right tackle. And I think that's, again, a more favorable matchup versus Colt Miller, who's been very good. Anything to add there? No, I just think that's as Judon. I, 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 I mean, listen, some it teams, needs to be. It, yeah. it needs to be. And yeah, I'm sure I, I, the other. This is where the McDaniels effect, effect comes in, right? Because he's he knows Judon well, too. Uh, and he's obviously a very smart coach. I'm sure he's going to look at what Kevin O'Connell did uh, and what the Bills did, where, you know, I don't think Judon was bad in those games. Just because he wasn't getting sacks doesn't mean he had a bad game. I think he was still effective. Uh, but they didn't let him – they made sure he didn't wreck the game. 
Um, so I'm sure McDaniels is going to have some sort of plan to try and replicate that. But at the end of the day, talent wins out, and he's just so good that I, I think he'll overwork well. I'm really glad you brought up Kevin O'Connell because at the start of that game, I think it was five out of their first six runs were right at Judon. But again, we talked about how to wear down, <laughs> excuse me, Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. You run at them, you run play action off of that, which was they were running away from Matt Judon and then having the bootleg away. So whenever Kirk Cousins turned around, he knew where Judon was because he's directly in his line of sight. So you can either throw the ball away if necessary or get it away in time. And I think that's that's a big part. Luminar also much better run blocker here in New England than he was a pass protector. Quarter pro football focus, take the grades or leave him, been pretty good in pass protection for the Raiders so far. So I wonder, too, how much they want to run at Judon, who in Arizona, you know, gave up the edge in a very – Long developing, patient, Le'Veonette Bell esque run from James Conner, but still gave it up. You can even see Demarcus Covington on the replay on the sideline, like putting his two fists up, like he's holding someone by you know the chest uh, plate or pads, and just says that's that's how that happens. Yeah, it's it. just some core eye discipline on that one. Yeah, it seemed yeah. to be just kind of looking inside and then didn't see Connor coming around the corner. But yeah, no, I agree. I think we've touched on basically everything with the with the Judon Illuminor uh, aspect. I think on both sides of the ball tackles versus edge rushers is going to be one of the matchups that will decide this entire game. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, Max Crosby, Chandler Jones versus Connor McDermott and Mike Miani could just, and that's fine. I think it just, you, you mix up how you help McDermott or could just with a chip from the running back, a double team from the tight end, run at them, run away from them, go tempo a little bit, like just try to tire them out. Um, I think you just got to mix it up. Last one, Devontae Adams versus John Jones or Jalen Mills. They have not shadowed the last few weeks. They tried with John Jones, who got burnt by Stephon Diggs and Justin Jefferson. Didn't do it with Hopkins. I thought that was smart. Either one, you feel better about Jalen Mills a little bit bigger if he's healthy? I was going to say, well, I mean, he didn't do well against Hopkins or against uh, Adams during spring practices. He was really, I think, the only one that we really saw go up against him. I don't remember seeing John Jones go up against Devontae Adams during the summer. Uh, But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think – you know, John Jones is certainly the better player, but Mills has the size. Um, but it's, I mean, it's got to be a short leash. Uh, it would be interesting. I mean, I'd be interesting to see if if they trust someone like Marcus Jones to give it a shot. I think that's a terrifying idea, just from the size of this match. But I mean, they 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 put him in some in some bold ma- matchups uh, here over the last couple of weeks. I think it also would have been interesting to see if they put Jack Jones on him, but it doesn't look like Jack Jones is going to play in this game. But I think. Put Jalen Mills on him if he's healthy, and I think that's your best bet. Yeah, I think we'll probably see some sort of combination, as you were mentioning, just with the way John Jones, who who I think is having a good overall season, I think the the transition from slot to outside has been successful for him, but he hasn't proven to be somebody in recent weeks that that can lock down some of these top-end opposing wide receivers. So I don't think the Patriots are going to go into this game and just say, all right, John, you got Devontae on every snap, shadow him around the field and see how you do. I think they're going to uh, kind of mix and match a little bit more. Yeah, I, one thing, too, that just worries me a lot about this this Devontae Adams matchup is, and including if Jonathan Jones is on him, is as Jonathan Jones has faced some of the better receivers here over the last month, he's committed a lot more penalties. Mm, um, that's which, a really great point. Yeah, he had those two face mask, face mask penalties. He had a pass interference in this past game. Uh, he had two and, penalties in this last game. Yeah, and it's just obviously Devontae Adams. Buffalo. Yeah. yeah, and Devontae Adams is obviously just one of those receivers who he can beat you right off the start, and then and then you commit a penalty. So I think you know, I could easily see a long pass or a long pass interference penalty popping up in a big spot in this game. It's really great that John Jones is not facing the Joe Flacco-Torrey Smith connection of fame. <laughs> just throw it deep and draw the P.I. Uh, because, boy, he would be having a tough time with that. But, yeah, I I, I would lean Mills again. That's if, if he's healthy with the scoring injury that's kept him out of now two straight games. He's a little bit bigger, but again, I, I think it's smarter just to play 
you know, a really high percentage of heavily disguised zone coverage. And then when you need to go, man, double them because that's just how good he is. All right. Two keys. I have down here uh, one man coverage beaters. Like you, you need to give your receivers more help than you're giving them. And that means putting them in motion at the snap pre-snap motion, not just these little screens for the love of God. Can we get an RPO that's downfield as opposed to just to bubble to the opposite side of a counter run or outside zone. Um, and, and because you know, the man coverage is coming. Like if, if Myers and Parker are out, the Raiders, again, have played the six most man coverage in the league are only going to be emboldened to play more man coverage and say, we might suck, but right now you don't look too great either. And we'll just try to, to stick on you. And you, we need, you know, again, crossing routes, motion, downfield switch releases, um, all of those things. I need to be on the menu because you need to get open receivers before Mac gets touched. If, if Crosby starts to win more of these matchups with Connor McDermott. Yeah, certainly it's uh, I think it's going to be a combination of scheme and just individual player execution because there haven't really been any Patriots wide receivers outside of Jacoby Myers who've been able to generate any sort of consistent separation this season. And I, I do agree that part of it is because they're not really placed in uh, advantageous situations from a, a route concept standpoint. Um, but I think it's going to be on them to, because the, the um, Raiders cornerbacks and their secondary overall, they're fine. I think Nate Hobbs is a good player, but Overall, it's not a safety are Yeah, it's not an especially. Well, uh, all due respect to our boy Duran Harmon. <laughs> oh, love you, Duran. Love. But the yeah, th- this is not a particularly impressive secondary, as evidenced by the fact that they're dead last in the NFL and a lot of these passing metrics. So it, it, even though the Patriots aren't going to have their their top guns in this game, it seems like uh, it should be a matchup that they should be able to exploit in some way. Yeah, you, you guys both both kind of covered it really well, but for me, I. I... I wonder if Marcus Jones sees another sees an uptick in usage in offense in this game. Um, obviously, he has over the last couple of weeks. He's, he's very fast. They've been moving him around a lot. Um, so maybe something like that. And just, I don't know, me and Zach sort of talk about this all the time. I've been waiting for a trick play this season. They yeah. haven't done a real one all year. Trick play. Daniels is going to have one. That's what I mean. And it's like, you know, he used to run so many when he was here. Maybe the Patriots finally bust one out. Because um, it's really just been, if you count that Marcus Jones touchdown, which I don't really um, and then some of the end around stuff, like I don't know, maybe bust out a trick play, but you really need to get something. How much would you love if Matt Patricia just like emptied the clip? You know, the total opposite of 12 screens at Arizona and running on third and seven. It was just like, here comes a double reverse. You want a double pass? There you go. Flea flickers out the ass. Here we go. Wow, just that like, would be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't, don't think anybody would even know how to cover it. <laughs> I wouldn't even know what to write. I mean, because it, at least at that point, you're like, this, you might have lost 27 to three, but that was a lot of fun to watch. It was not this slog that feel like we've been watching every single game the last two and a half months with the exception of the loss on Thanksgiving. Um, but all right. Uh, the other key, I think, for the Patriots going to the other side of the ball um, is, is going to be your early down defense against Josh Jacobs, uh, because ultimately you need to set the terms of engagement here with this offense. If it's going to have two great options, throw to Devontae Adams or, you know, hand the ball off to Josh Jacobs. And I'm not saying the Raiders are going to run the ball all the time on early downs, but you need to get them into a situation where you play to your strengths on third and seven. You're playing that dime package. It could be three corners, three safeties, four corners, two safeties. You get your best players on the field, and you can throw some new looks and wrinkles at Derek Carr. It's all dependent on can you win on first down. I think this and the the early lead discussion basically go hand in hand. Uh, It allows you to do the same thing. Uh, And I think especially against an offense – that is so talented, even if they don't get uh, Renfro and Waller back for this game. That's not a team you want to be facing when you're trailing. That's not a team that you want to consistently give 
third and three, third and two, third and one, those kind of easily convertible third down situations, because it just makes your life so much more difficult as a defense. So I, I think both of those go, go hand in hand. And I think those are both two big keys for the Pats here. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the, the big things of that Cardinals game and for, yeah, it was kind of a blowout at the end, not really, but it was a two score game that it was tied in the second half and it was a competitive game. And if it wasn't for, I think a stupid decision by Cliff Kingsbury to go for it on fourth down before the half, uh, who knows? The Patriots could have been trailing by nine at the start of the second half. And a lot of that was because James Conner was getting six, seven yards on first down, getting the, getting Colt McCoy uh, in manageable second and third downs. And so, uh, yeah, I just, you have, you can't let Josh Jacobs pick up huge yardage on first downs. It's a huge key to this game. All right. It's the most fun of the pre fun part of the preview, the extra point. I need something not necessarily sensical or applicable to the game. Something about Vegas Raiders in the past. Uh, I mean, I don't know how nonsensical it is, and we touched on it a little bit, but I think the Josh McDaniels factor in this game could be very significant. I mean, no team or no coach in the NFL knows the Patriots and their personnel and what they do more than Josh McDaniels. He was just here last year. He was there for about a decade before that. Uh, he knows Mac Jones. He knows the Patriots offense. He knows the Patriots defense. And he also knows Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, even though he might not necessarily know their kind of offensive philosophies as well because they really didn't have any of those until about six months ago but I think that this is advantage Raiders in this scenario from a coaching perspective not saying that Josh McDaniels is a better head coach than Bill Belichick because I don't think that's true but I think he is going to find ways to exploit the things that the Patriots don't do well uh, I, I heard a story today from uh, from Chris Sims uh, that was really interesting he was on the uh, the 2009 Broncos team, the McDaniels team that beat the Patriots, that had all the fist pumps, and then basically everything kind of came apart and fell downhill uh, from there for McDaniels. But he said going into that game, Josh McDaniels knew that the Patriots, who had just been torn apart by by wildcat formations the previous year against the Dolphins, he said, I know exactly how they're going to align and exactly what coverage they're going to play every time they see wildcat. So they lined up in wildcat Sims said close to 30 plays in that game. They would line up in the wildcat then they would motion back into a normal situation or a normal formation. But by that point, they already knew what defense he was going, they were going to be in and they were able to have success offensively. So it's not a, an exactly applicable example because I don't think you're going to see a lot of wildcat in this game, but I just think that Josh McDaniels has to have been game planning for this game for months and months and months. And I think he's going to throw some things at the Patriots that they may not be uh, super well-equipped to handle. Uh, for me, yeah, I just, I, I kind of want this whole Mac Jones <laughs> yelling F-bombs and yelling at and yelling at Matt Patrick and yelling at everyone. I want that storyline to go away. And, and on that, like, I don't know. I just think enough is enough a little bit. Like, I, I'm, a, I'm one of these people. Who I'm this a, is another, we're all looking for the guy. <laughs> but I hear you. It's speaking for all media. Well, no, no, but it's, it's not even so much about the storyline. Like, I'm I'm of the mindset that, you know, I think he's kind of justified. And I think him and the players sort of have a right to be upset and frustrated with the coaching and, and, and how things have gone this season. But at some point, like, move on. You've made your point. Like, you've drawn attention to the whole thing very publicly in prime time in these games. You know, yelling on the, on the sideline during the Bills game. All the stuff that we saw the other night against the Cardinals, like we all know, we all got it. Everyone's upset. I think, I don't know, I just think kind of let that stuff all go away now. Like, 
cut it out. It's, it's kind of what I, I I don't want to come out of this game and be talking more. You about want to put Mac in a timeout on the bench? I hear you, Dakota. I just I think it's 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 just kind of gotten to be too much. But yeah, I I don't think he's doing that to to prove a point to anyone on the outside. I think he's just genuinely pissed but i'm with you in that i don't really care that he's screaming and swearing on the sidelines because that's perfectly acceptable in that work environment as is assault because you call that form tackling um (laughs) that's not applicable anywhere else and so we just need to leave it in that kind of environment you know as they say uh in the heat of battle but for me look it would be fun to kind of do the like oh who's going to get the vegas flu and going to be questionable with an illness sunday morning i don't think that's going to happen i also don't really know what's going to happen. If I if I had to bet, and this is getting ahead to our predictions here, is I, I think the Raiders win pretty decidedly. And it might be 20 to 10. It might be 34 to 17. It might be 20 to 3. But I just, th- there's a wider range of opportun- of outcomes for this game the more I think about it um, that I initially expected, even though most of those, in my opinion, lean towards the Raiders win for the reasons that Zach mentioned, the institutional knowledge, they're well rested they've got players coming back potentially as opposed to your top receivers going out and they just have more options like as bad as you are defensively and again as a pass defense the structure of your defense like is going to help you defend the patriots who are better when they have the middle of the field open are throwing against zone and can run the ball like you can at least load the box go single high play man across the board they're like hey no snaggler if you want to play like you did here two years ago in vegas great we're just going to bet that that's not going to happen and so i just think it's there are a ton of different things that could happen. I think they could both get in a shootout early and have it slow down. We could sputter and this could be, you know, a game dragged in the mud like the Patriots want. I would just hope that the Patriots kind of break out of this conservative offensively. That's that's actively lowering their win probability for the sake of staying within 40 to 60% winning versus going up to 80, but risking a 20%. You know what I mean? Like at at least give your guys a chance to put this game away early as opposed to just kind of hanging around, which is the their goal. Yeah, I think one thing to that point, though, is the Raiders, even though, like, we all believe they're a team that's much better than their record. I saw an interesting stat today that was like, it was a graphic that took, you took every team in the league and took all their their one possession losses or wins and flipped them to the opposite result, what would their record be? Patriots would be 6-7, and seven, Raiders would be 9-4. and four. They shot to the top of the league. So, but they just... For whatever reason, they keep finding ways to be in these close games, these one-score games, and often losing them. And, they, and so as much as I think they're better, yeah. I think it just it might ultimately end up getting to that point where the Raiders, even though they're the more talented team, they're going to screw it up somehow because they've done it all season. You've seen a lot of just yet dumb, late-game, costly mistakes yeah. from this Raiders team. And conservatism on Josh McDaniels' part. Like, we can brag on the Patriots, and rightfully so, but, like, he's the one punting on fourth and one or kicking field goals inside the tent. And that no. plays into it. No. Um, one other thought, oh, just the also the the openness of the offense, right? Like the Raiders have more options from a personnel standpoint, people they can give the ball to who can do dangerous things. Their playbook is also much bigger. Like the Patriots have streamlined it, and you know that like it's a lot simpler to defend Patriots right now than it is the Raiders, even if the Raiders have their their staple plays. Um I'm excited to see the stadium. Yeah, that too. I, I am too. Or, yeah. No, yeah, none of us went out for the preseason game. No, oh, one, one final point on stadiums too. This was this past week was my first time at uh, State Farm Stadium at the mm-hmm. Cardinals extraordinary big game vibes at that stadium. Like I walked in and this was a, I mean, it was a prime time game. It was a Monday night game, but it's a week 14 game against two teams that aren't, or between it's, it's six o'clock. Two teams that aren't especially good, but you walk in and I'm like, Whoa, this feels like a Super Bowl venue. This yeah. is the Fiesta Bowl. I was, I was thinking of uh, Jared Zabransky and Boise state. Yeah. And obviously the Patriots Super Bowl is there. So Stamp of approval. It's one of my favorite stadiums. I yeah. Like it. I, I uh, until last week, I had never been to an indoor football game in my entire life. 
believe it or not. Wow. I've never been to a dome or an indoor stadium or any of that, so now it's going to be too straight. It also just rises out of the desert like a spaceship had landed, or yeah, it was, was like a space station. Yeah, yeah it's like, like Darth yeah. Vader's lair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, quick uh, mailbag, and then we'll get your predictions. We'll get out of here. Uh, this is from Official Truck. Welcome back, Truck. Is Pierre Strong the biggest home run threat the Patriots have ever had at running back? Uh, I would say Curtis Martin puts this uh, conversation to bed. I get where you're going, Truck. It's more about the speed 437 coming out of college. You saw it on display. We even had a couple members of the Patriots front office behind us who, who was sitting in the press box um, for a away game. They're like, he's gone, touchdown. And he gets tackled like a split second later because uh, you want to see it happen. But I, it's it's a new dynamic. It's different, I think, for probably the, the Bill Belichick era or, or modern NFL. But no, I think Curtis Martin is your, your guy. Yeah, and I think Pierre Strong has had one even half decent game in his NFL career. Yeah, so I right. think, I think let's, uh, let's pump the brakes a little bit on the, uh, on the comparisons, but I'm uh, more comfortable, more confident in Lawrence Maroney. <laughs> oh God. You know, okay. You know what? You want to put Mac in timeout. You were going to go to the room for that. Good. Saying Lawrence Maroney could go. I mean, I wasn't good, but I'm just saying like, I'm with Zach, like Pierre Strong is one game. But, okay. Next yeah. question. Um, <laughs> Jack, uh, very, very odd, oddly shaped running back. Uh, like just body, body. I'm not talking about Lawrence Maroney. I'm like, I don't know. No, no, no. I like just shape. Pierre Strong. He just he looks like a wide receiver in a lot of ways. The Patriots yeah. don't usually have those kind of long, slender running backs. And I don't know, random point, but something. That's it looks like a, especially because because Kevin Harris is built like a. He, he looks like a sprinter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, from Jake Hamilton, sort of a loaded question. We love those. Which players are playing for a spot on the roster in 2023 down the stretch of this season? Also, worst travel experience on the beat. Uh, Zach, sit on that second question. Dakota, who's playing for a spot on the team next season? A spot on the team next season? Ooh, putting me on the spot. Um, I will go with, as I stall for time, um, I don't know. I don't want to say, I don't want to say Mac Jones because I don't think that's it. <laughs> I don't want to say Mac Jones. Uh, well, look, I think the skill positions take care of themselves, right? Like, Reminder Stevenson's back. David Harris is going to go to free agency, and I think probably be underwhelmed because there are just so many backs that are available. Yeah, we're talking about, Kendrick pending, Bourne, are we talking about pending free agents or guys they could trade. No, no, I think guys, I mean, yeah. I, I would guys, say Kyle, Kyle Duggar, guys, maybe is a sneaky one, just because he's a free agent after next season. I, I would go to the – You know what I mean? Just so maybe if, if they look at it and say, we don't want to – you know, pay the money. Maybe that's a, a surprise trade. I'm just throw, I'm throwing one out there. I think Kendrick Bourne's a good one. Yeah, I think Kendrick because he's got a got a year left on his contract and has definitely trended more toward the correct direction. I'd say over the second half of the season, from where he was at the start of the year, seems to be back in some better graces than than he was earlier. So I think yeah, just, I think you would have said someone like John Smith, and now the money kind of makes it. Yeah, he's, yeah. John Smith yeah. is gonna retire a graying Patriot. He will be here forever. Do that contract. My my first thought went to the backup offensive tackles, like yeah, I think just can you stick Connor McDermott. But ultimately, those are guys that A, I think of because they would be on the bubble. Duggar's not in the bubble. I think they'd love to extend him. Um, but Bourne, you know, he's in the final year of his deal, very tradable contract. Uh what Trent Brown. True. I just don't think you have any other options. Like no, his, but his, it's his like, leverage is you, he's got a good deal. Yeah. And you know the ceiling, but obviously he needs to play better and be available. I'm trying to think defensively, like Tavai, they just extended. Um, Mac Wilson, like, you know, I know they just traded for him, but has he been so impressive that you're like. The Trent Trent thing is interesting, though, because he, I think they can get out of that contract for like a million two in dead money. So not that big of a a dead money charge. And if they go out and they have a ton of, they're going to have a ton of 
salary cap space and free agency if they go out get some top free agent tackle maybe draft one or two yeah. this year like i don't know i i think peak trent brown is still a very valuable player but we we just haven't seen peak trent brown all that often he is because the part of the problem with the tackles it obviously has been the performances but it's been the performance but it's also been the availability the inconsistency and it's like you know, at some point here, you need to get a couple of tackles who you can rely on to be out there every week and playing at, at a level that you can rely on. And I don't know, maybe, I don't know if that's Trevor out at this point. But again, yeah, what are your options? Um, I don't know if you can go find two of those players this offseason. I think you can find one in the draft. Um, I also think it's interesting if he, if he kind of, would they move him back over to right tackle next season? I don't know. I just had a thought of um, Jake Bailey, yeah, who, I was thinking who obviously got extended and I, I would imagine that's unfriendly for them to part ways at this point, but he's a guy who's been an IR and you just haven't seen that version. You want to talk about Pete Trent Brown. Yeah. Pete Jake Bailey was last seen in 2020. So he was not especially good before that, uh, before that back injury. It felt like the yips. That's what it looked like. It yeah. looked like the yips, but yeah. Who knows? See, good question. I, I think ultimately a lot of these questions get answered in the summer. Um, like they're not good enough to just start trading away talent. They, they don't have a position right now with a surplus. Like, uh, especially if Devin McCourty retires, his contract's up, it becomes back. It will only be in New England, but you you need to use your cap space, add talent, as opposed to just trying to decide who's still on the roster. I do think, think it's interesting because you have three guys in that uh, 2020 class coming up on free agents after next season and Wenu, Duggar, and Josh Uche. And so I just, you know, I wonder if they make a, a hard decision or two with those guys. Worst on Wenu is a lock, but... Um, Dakota didn't have any time. He had a ton of time. Zach, worst travel experience. My worst travel experience. I mean, the one that sticks out right now is is our Green Bay trip. Yes, uh, six or seven weeks ago, when we were trying to fly out of the Appleton Airport after the Patriots Packers game, probably were there for what like nine and a half hours. Our flight got delayed by six hours. We attempted, very briefly, attempted to get an Uber to Green Bay Airport and fly out. Uh, while we were doing that, Dakota closed the, a car trunk on my back and I still have a scar from it. And then we ended up getting stranded in Chicago for a night uh, and had to fly fly home at 6 a.m. the next day. I, I never liked doing the, uh, the, the sports writer complaints yeah. about travel things because obviously none of us really have uh, much to complain about from yeah, that department. But uh, yeah, that was certainly one that, uh, that stuck out to me. That was, was not a particularly uh, fun, what? 24 hours or so. No, I think the one for me to this point is, um, I think it was when we were coming back from Miami. Uh, we got back into Logan at oh, like 1230, <laughs> we're around 1am or so. And I live down in, in South of Providence. So it takes me, you know, over an hour, hour and a half to get home. Um, and I wanted to, <laughs> I tried to get an Uber, but the Ubers from Logan down to Rhode Island were like $260. So I decided to take a, a, an Uber from Logan to where Zach was parked, which was like Chelsea or, or Charlestown or something, yeah. um, and then get an Uber from there. Uh, and I had three consecutive Ubers cancel on me. So it was like almost <laughs> two o'clock in the morning, and I'm sitting on a sidewalk in Charlestown waiting for an Uber to take me to Rhode Island. I got home at like 3 a.m. That was your first Patriots trip too, right? Yeah. So, uh, second after the Vegas one? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was terrible. How yeah. silent is an Uber from 2.15 until 3.30? From Boston to South of Providence. So, well, the guy was really shatty, and I, I told him. I Not was, silent at all. I told him I was going to put my head from <laughs> no, he, he was, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was an awful. How about you? You have any good ones? I, I'm blanking now because my battery is running at like 22%. But I think the, the only one that immediately comes to mind, and this just happens if you travel often enough, because I'm in the same mind. Like, I'm, not, I'm just not going to complain people who bitch on Twitter about 
flights or whatnot or whatever it is. So just just don't. Yeah. Um, twenty nineteen coming back from Houston. They played this Sunday night, doing film all day on a Monday. I had a flight late out of Houston at like seven, connected in Atlanta because you know you're writing film all day, and then it gets to Atlanta, delayed thirty minutes, one hour. You know it's going two hours. We're pushing until the morning. So I stayed over in the airport. What felt like had a scar on my back from sleeping on some of those benches. But the upshot was I got a lot of holiday shopping done, and that was like the first Christmas with my now fiance. Absolutely crushed it. Oddly enough, I was delayed coming out of Logan to get to Phoenix, sitting on the tarmac for two hours because snow showed up and they don't have gas in the plane, which seems really essential. Got a ton more holiday shopping done. Some very irresponsibly, but like, look, you got Wi-Fi and a JetBlue plane. Um, you got to do something in addition to watch the Dolphins suck on Sunday Night Football. So, yeah, that's about it. But I mean, again, I think you travel often enough, you're going to you're gonna stay over in a terminal somewhere. So I have so much holiday shopping to do now. I'm just realizing we're getting it back. It's going to be like four days until Christmas. And I... I have a lot to do. All right. Uh, <laughs> speaking of bad travel, this is, brings a lot of shame publicly on me. But Christmas Eve a couple of years ago, the saddest scene I've ever been a part of or witnessed is a CBS after midnight, which is now Christmas, to shop for little things for my parents who I had been staying with. The upshot was I was with my dad, who also was in trouble going, what does your mom want? I go, probably a husband who plans ahead, but she is, does not have that. So we were getting little things, some of which are like, you know, little organizers for, you know, around like the TV or, you know, she still gets magazines. Uh, so around like the living room, which ended up being a big help and a gift card here. And, you know, anyway, only time I've ever done that, but it's it, like tourist t-shirts and candy bars. Yeah. Yeah. Cause when we get back, I mean, it's going to be less than a week until, you know, if you celebrate Christmas, Christmas and Hanukkah around there too, and Kwanzaa and everything. But um, anyway, all right. Uh, final predictions. The Patriots getting in early Christmas gift and a win here on uh, Sunday. I don't think so. Uh, I, I would pick Raiders in this game. I, I don't know how lopsided it's going to be. Um, just based on the fact that we don't know yet, whether Redford and Waller are going to play. We don't know exactly what the Patriots personnel is going to look like anyway, but I think between the the talent the Raiders have, the lack of talent the Patriots are going to have in this game with, with all the players they're going to be missing and the McDaniels factor, I I I I can see the Patriots winning this game, but I am I would be picking the Raiders. Uh I got Patriots 28-24. Wow. Uh, I think the Raiders this season have losing in their DNA. I think the McDaniels stuff is slightly overrated. And uh I think I think they get a big win. And I think it we were talking about this earlier. It is interesting. This is a little bit too too much forecasting, but if the Patriots win this game, if the Dolphins lose in that snowstorm up in Buffalo, which is certainly possible, and then if the Bengals lose to the Bucks, which I don't think will happen. You, the, you were pushing this before the yeah. rock skipper came by. If that if that all happens, which is possible, the Patriots next week against the Bengals will be playing to go up to the six seed, which you know, it just it's interesting that they still have a the opportunity uh, you know, to, to do some good things here and move up in the standings, even though none of us actually believe them. Up to the sixth seed. That's that's, that's, where, that's where you're at, though. I yeah, mean, that's no, the I, between going to Tennessee or going to Baltimore and going to Kansas City and Buffalo, which, you know, if you if the Patriots are going to finally win their first playoff game since the Super Bowl in 2018, they got to avoid Kansas City or Buffalo. Factually accurate, all of it. I just can't hear it because I, I think they're going to lose on, on Sunday, and it's uh, the Raiders have – more options, they're better rested, they're getting players back again. And I think this is an offense for the Patriots that's really going to struggle to score in the red zone. Like I, I just don't think this is going to happen with their current offensive line. No reminder Stevenson. It's just there, there's there's too much uh it's too much of an uphill battle where they can't just count on the Raiders to screw it up, even if the Raiders are a willing participant. I think it's something probably like 
26-16 uh, Raiders. I'm shocked that the Patriots, last I checked, were favored by one or two. Yeah, um, I didn't know that. That is surprising. And, and they're much better rated. Like, their record's better. They're much better by DVOA. Uh, but it's also a tale of how are you playing your last three or four games. And when you look at the Raiders, even if they blew that game against the Rams, they won their last three, including a couple on the road, and I think all told are just you know more talented team. Like you said, they, they have a bigger margin for error, and the Patriots don't have as many answers for guys like Spontae Adams. It's going to be interesting because the you know the hallmark of the of the Brady Belichick dynasty for so many years was that the Patriots always played their best football. You know, going into December, they finished much better than they started, but really since this, starting in 2019, it's been the exact opposite. So this is kind of the, the start now. We're going to see, does that trend reverse? Does they even, finally get back to it, or is it another bad finish? And it's certainly possible that it's going to be a bad finish given the opponents. It even goes back further than that. It's like 2017, they lose that game in Miami. Right. Yeah, okay. 18, they were 2-2 two and two in their last four. Part of it was Josh Gordon just leaving, and then, you know, Miami Miracles in there. We also lost to Pittsburgh. Like, it's and, and the fun, I'm glad you brought that up. We're going to close quickly because this is going really long. But the Patriots have been playing the long game all season. Rotations on defense, some on offense, you know, fewer padded practices in training camp, yep. lighter loads in practice during the season, understanding that they were going to have this crunch of three games in 12 days starting around Thanksgiving. And then you have a short week here on the road preparing for Vegas. You're going to go home and play Cincinnati after six days. And then you've got to finish with two divisional opponents that know you well. And like they've been preparing for this moment. And I think the luck that they had injury-wise in Arizona – it's just really unfortunate because while they might not have been very good and they might have made some poor coaching decisions from a personnel standpoint, protecting their health, they did all the right things. And they still end up in a place where you're missing your two most important and only trustworthy players on offense, Jacoby Myers or Myers Stevenson. And defensively, you're banged up in the wrong places with Jack Jones out of corner um, going to Las Vegas. Yeah, and especially tough with, with Parker Myers because it's the kind of injuries, it's, it's concussions, right? Yeah, it's, it's yeah. not it's not a strength and conditioning kind of thing or managing workloads of something that could happen to anybody. Just bad luck. Yeah, yeah, just bad luck. All right, that'll do it. Um for Zach, for Dakota, I'm still Andrew. We will have live coverage, Nesta.com and the Boston Herald, and here on Pat's interference for Patriots Raiders. Yet again, part five of the Patriots' biggest game of the season, something that we we're all guilty of saying since I think the second Jets game, <laughs> maybe even the first one. Uh, but that's kind of what happened. So they got four more. First one coming up on Sunday. And uh, we will check back in Monday with our film review podcast.